Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you and praise you for each testimony that was given tonight. Lord, that we can see your hand moving in our lives and we can be thankful. We just want to say thank you for being such a good God and caring for us. And Lord, it's just so wonderful. It's too wonderful for us to really comprehend that the creator of the universe takes time to pay attention to our little prayers and our problems in our lives, to meet needs and to give us opportunities to witness and to be used in your service. Lord, we just want to say thank you. We want to bring praise to your name for your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's have a sit. Turn in our Bibles to Psalm 32. And uh, we're just reviewing the life of David. And tonight we're going to just do a lesson on David and the Psalms. We certainly couldn't cover all of the Psalms. I believe that Psalm 119 is David's personal testimony of his personal life. And you can trace... Uh, So much of David's history as you go through Psalm 119, uh, but we won't take time to do that. Um, Now that um, the children are out, I do need to give you an update. Um, The uh, Newberger's baby passed away this afternoon about 1.15, and uh, we just need to keep them in prayer. did talk to Mike uh, a few moments this afternoon, and uh, he said that uh, actually with everything that has happened with the baby, they hadn't been paying, uh, not paying, but dealing very much with the state of uh, Kelly's health, and uh, that he, he said that the doctors had told him that they were very fortunate that Kelly even survived this event, that it was much more life-threatening than at first understood. And uh, so uh, as soon as we finish the service part, Julia and I are going to be heading back down to North Brunswick. That's how far close they got to the city last night and uh, and uh, try to spend a little bit of time with them. The children, as far as I know, do not know yet. So we need to be very, very careful uh, with what we say, uh, Brother Mike wants, of course, to be the one to explain it to them. So um, the only thing I, I know to say at this time is, is we just need to bathe that family in prayer. Um, it is uh, uh, just one of those events that we can't explain. And if I may simply say this, uh, uh, that's where meekness comes in, is you've got to trust in God's authority and in God's knowledge and in God's understanding, because if you try to trust in your own, uh, it just, you're going to end up where Job did, accusing God of having done something wrong, and we know that's not possible. It's just... Very, very difficult. This is uh, number two for them that 
came to a birth and, and passed away, and another one uh, they lost uh, not so early on, but but in an earlier stage. And so uh, we, we do not know why uh, the Lord has some people walk down through that trail of suffering as He has asked the Newburgers to do. But uh, we just need to keep them in prayer and uh, maybe what would probably be the simplest thing is just to uh, send some cards and things to them. Just uh, if you need the address, I know Deborah can get that. It's, it's in the records. It's, it's on my computer. Um, in fact, I can give it to you. Uh, if you want to write it down, just, just mail them something. You know, it, it wouldn't hurt to... Um, for them to to get home in a few days as uh, as that and just find uh, a bunch of cards and things and uh, don't uh, don't try to explain anything just tell them that you're praying for them and and uh, but uh, the actual physical address is five seventy. 570 Morgan Avenue, apartment 2R, that's Brooklyn, 11222. So that's 570 Morgan Avenue, apartment 2R, Brooklyn, New York, 11222. And... uh, Just keep keep them in prayer. Uh, we've seen the Lord do some magnificent things this week, and yet we have this tragedy the same week. And so we have to commit the keeping of of their souls and our souls to to the to the Shepherd, and uh, be faithful to the Lord and just pray. They'll have a lot of details to take care of. I know he's already contacted his pastor there in Maryland, and uh, that's where uh, the other little one was buried, and I'm sure that's what their plans are. And so, uh, as we know what develops, we will let you know, but uh, just, just continually pray for Mike and Kelly and the little ones. Uh, and uh, so, um, that's all I know to say. And so, we'll, we'll be taken off as soon as we finish the service part. Andrew will be closing out the prayer part. And uh, uh, we'll just uh, keep, things, keep things in prayer, if you would. And so, we've been looking through the life of David... And uh, really what I would like to do tonight is just spend the whole night on the 23rd Psalm, but uh, that would, we need to, to finish this, this section here. And we, we understand that David's life was full of struggles as well. I mean, to be taken out from among his brethren as maybe as young as 12 or 13 years old and anointed to be the king 
and yet to be in seclusion and anonymity uh, uh, until he met Goliath and to be used of God in the way that that happened and then to be exalted as just a teenager um, over all of Israel to be made a captain, eventually the king's daughter, uh, the commander-in-chief of Israel's army, second only to Abner and the king himself, and then within a period of months to be demoted to a captain of a thousand and then a captain of a hundred and then running for his life uh, to be abandoned by his, his wife who chose to stay in, in the palace with her, her father as David ran uh, from the king and to be estranged. Uh, and then uh, all of the things that we talked about with David and his mighty man. Finally, David becomes the king in Hebron for seven years. And then he's able to take Jerusalem and become the king of all Israel. As they bring the Ark of the Covenant into the city of Jerusalem, they don't even get halfway there before one of the men uh, driving the cart that the Ark, the bearing the Ark, dies because he reaches out and touches the Ark. And I I think this is something that we just need to remember. Could the Ark of God be allowed to tumble off the cart? No. You, you just couldn't do that. that. That could not happen. So why did Uzzah give his life? Because the Ark never belonged on a cart. It belonged on the shoulder of the Levites who were supposed to carry it. And it was a tragic, tragic lesson in David's life. And uh, David would not be deterred from worshiping the Lord, even though his first wife, now brought back together, Saul's daughter Michael, despised him for his worship for the Lord. David said, I'm going to worship God, God's way, no matter what. It wasn't until later in David's reign, he reigned 40 years, that he sinned with Bathsheba. And yet still, unlike Saul, who turned from following the Lord early in his kingdom, David turned back to the Lord and continued to follow him till his dying day. He established his, uh, the border of Israel at the Euphrates River. By the way, that's modern-day Iraq. Uh, that's how far the land of Israel stretched under David's reign. Uh, all across Jordan, the desert there, uh, most of Syria was under the control of the state of Israel and David's its king, all the way down to the Nile River in Egypt, uh, stretching that most important part of planet Earth. In fact, it's been called the crossroads of the Earth. And uh, David controlled all of that as the king and made incredible preparation for the building of the temple at Jerusalem. Solomon's temple, when you compare it to other things, uh, his, his temple was far greater than the pyramids of Egypt. 
than almost any of the ancient, not necessarily in size, but when you talk about the scope uh, of the uh, of the materials that went into that temple, it was overlaid inside and out with solid gold. Uh, I believe the uh, total number of gold, and I'm just I'm pretty sure this is right, was 100,000 talents. Now, each talent was roughly 75 pounds. So, 7.5 million pounds of gold went into the temple. Not even the pharaohs of Egypt had that kind of place. They say that it must have, as Jerusalem was on top of a mountain, that when the sun came up, the reflection of that of the sun from the gold of the temple could be seen scores of miles away, as you pronounce. It just looked like the top of the, would have looked like the top of the mountain had a had a beacon on it during the day, as the sun would have been reflected in that gold of the temple. It was an incredible thing, and all the preparation was made during David's lifetime. These were, these were really David's accomplishments. And David lived a righteous life. In fact, he was the one that the Bible said was a man after God's own heart, that he served the Lord, saving only in the issue of Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. And I, I wish we could we could make a series out of this and, and be here for months on end if we just wanted to do this on Sunday night, is travel through the Psalms and, and look at David's life reflected in his Psalms. You know, the Psalms were Jewish poetry. And it, it said that poetry is there to express things that cannot be said in words. And uh, in normal prose, in normal sentence structure. And every time I hear, uh, that definition runs through my mind, I'm sorry, I need to digress a moment. How many of you have seen poetry in motion in the subway? Uh, those are things that are said that just ought be left unsaid. How, how, am I the only one that feels that way? I mean, that is some of the dumbest stuff that has ever been put in human language. And uh, I woke up and the snow was on the ground and it was light and it was white. Wow, what wordsmithing. Oh, it just does something to you. The only problem is they don't provide air sick bags for reading the poetry on the subway. Uh, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Every once in a while, I just need to get it out of my system. But the Hebrew poetry does not rhyme words like English poetry does. It rhymes ideas. And uh, many of the poems, uh, of the Psalms, uh, were, were actually sung. Someone, there are different people who claim that they've unlocked the secrets of the melodies of the Psalms. Uh, I remember taking a class one time, master's class, and, and the professor gave me some stuff. And I, 
went through it and he said, well, you're musically minded. What do you think of this? And, and so I went through and looked at it and I said, boy, I'll tell you what I think of this. I don't think this is right. I don't think that God would promote anything that sounds that weird. Um, they had thought that they had unlocked the notes in the letters of the Psalms. And, boy, I'll tell you what, that was, uh, that was bizarre stuff. Uh, the Bible says, the Psalms say, make a joyful noise. So this minor key weirdness, uh, I don't believe that's right. And uh, what we, I guess the rain showed up. Uh, what we need to do is just look here at Psalm 32. If you're going to stay close to God, there's one thing that's got to be done. You've got to deal with sin. And David did. And Psalm 32 is one of those psalms where he talks about that. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit... There is no guile. Uh, we could take that and, and just look at it very care- quickly here in a summary fashion. It says, to whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. And it's interesting, in whose spirit is no guile. Uh, I believe that we were created in the image of God, that we had a body, a soul, and a spirit, which died the day that Adam and Eve sinned. What does it tell us that happened to David when Samuel anointed him? The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, didn't it? You want to have a spirit that there is no guile in. The only way that happens is when you get saved and the Holy Spirit lives inside. That is the source of all blessings. Amen? That, that is where we begin this thing. And that is the reason the Lord does not impute iniquity to us, does not count that to our uh, record, because Jesus paid for it. Of course, David didn't understand all of the things yet He painted such vivid, living pictures of what happened to Jesus on the cross in Psalm 22 that most Jewish scholars today uh, have to really go to extremes to explain away what happened in Psalm 22 and the other prophecies that are there. But look what it says here in verse 3. When I kept silence... My bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of all my sin. Selah. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse 
Or as the mule, which having no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice ye righteous, and shout for joy all ye that are upright in heart. And so we read Psalm 32. David understood what it meant to deal with sin. If you're into bookkeeping at all, it's called keeping short accounts. What that means is you don't have some big stack of receipts that you enter into the books once or twice a year. Uh, you do that on a weekly or even a daily business uh, uh, time, and you reconcile that account, and you keep things justified, and, and you keep your ledgers clean. Do you think that's what John was talking about when he said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness? See, I believe Psalm 32 is a commentary on 1 John chapter 9, 1 verse 9. And helps us see when, when we withhold things, when we keep it in the inside, when we think we're covering something up, are we? No. But when we confess that to the Lord, He forgives us. Because He paid for every sin on the cross. Amen? We can't talk about David in the Psalms without talking about 23rd Psalm. If you need to turn there, turn there. If you have it memorized, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, that word want means to have needs. To have privation. To have things that we need to have, but we cannot get them. That's what being poor in spirit is. Is wanting the things that we need spiritually. And none of us can measure up to God's standard. That's why He gives His Holy Spirit to live in us. Amen? If we could only get this, it's so hard. If we were right with God, Does anything else matter? Well, yeah, other things matter. But nothing else can be right until you're right with God first. That's where it's got to start. If you want a good marriage, if you want a better husband or a better wife, you get right with God. You start living the Bible way. And it's going to help them. Because you won't be doing wrong things to add to the pot of bad that's going on in your marriage. Same thing with your church and your pastor. You want a better pastor? You make sure you are right with the Lord. Amen? And, it, and the Lord will work. And He will deal. The Lord is my shepherd. He is going to take care of us. Unlike the American shepherd. You know how the American shepherd takes care of his sheep? Gets a dog. And the dog chases the sheep and bullies the sheep. And uh, 
If you've got a big herd, you've got more than one dog. You know how the Jewish shepherd took care of his sheep? He called them by name. Just like we would a pet. How would you like to have a hundred pets? And have to remember all their names. And speak to them enough that those animals understand your voice. And know your voice. And follow. That's the kind of shepherd Jesus wants to be to every one of his children. And praise God, he's big enough to handle it. Amen? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want... He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Has the Lord ever had to make you stop for a little bit? He will. But if you'll look around you where He makes you stop, you'll find that His provision is there. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. I I love verse 3. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. But who benefits the most? I do. But it's His name that will be lifted up when I follow Him in the paths of righteousness. Amen? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That's that's a statement, my friend. How many times had David walked through the valley of the shadow of death? As Saul tried to kill him. As he stood in the shadow of Goliath. I think that qualifies for the valley of the shadow of death. How about you? I mean, Goliath wasn't out there to play patty cake. He had had cursed David by his gods, and he said, I'm going to feed you uh, to the birds. I'm going to kill you and leave your carcass to lay out in the sun. And David said, God's going to give me the victory, and I'm not only worried about, I'm not only going to get you, big guy, I'm going to get the whole army behind you, too. And that's pretty incredulous for a 16, 17-year-old boy looking at a guy that's nine foot six and says, Listen, you're not the only thing on my menu today. I got the whole army behind you, and we're going to get it all. Well, how could David make such a ridiculous statement? Well, it wasn't ridiculous at all, because that's exactly what happened. You see, David wasn't looking at Goliath. He was looking at God. When you look at God, Goliath isn't so big anymore now, is he? I still like to quote that evolutionist guy he said you Christians all you do is put God in the equation and it always works <laughs> yes yes you're smarter than you think Mr. Dummy I'm, I'm sorry um, God always works does he not thy rod you know what the rod for the shepherd was for it's for killing snakes 
and thy staff. It's not two different instruments. It's just a poetic way of talking about that because that, that, uh, the word rod in the Bible normally means judgment and punishment and protection. It's a weapon. The staff was to aid the shepherd in walking and he would also use it uh, to sometimes reach over the end and, and into a thicket where a little lamb could be all tangled up in, and, uh, and literally trapped in the thicket just waiting for the predators to come get it. You can't grab those thorns with your hands. It would shred your skin. But you could stick your staff in there and open up a hole in those uh, briars and release that little lamb. He'd be scratched up and bleeding, but he'd be safe. You know, sometimes the Lord's got to get his rod out. Give us a few quick, sharp whacks to get our attention. Other times it's that staff. Same tool. But he's using it to protect us and to free us from the problems that we've ensnared ourselves in. I'll tell you what, I find comfort, and you should too, in God's hand. Even when he lays it heavy upon you, as Psalm 32 said, David said, I'm glad. The intimate, the, the, the message that was brought forth there was, I'm glad that you dried me up. I'm glad your hand was heavy upon me because it forced me to come back to you and to confess my sins. And then I found release and continued service for God. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Oh, if we could just get that phrase. How many of you know uh, we have a word for it? We call it agita. I think that's an Italian word. We didn't invent it, but uh, probably pretty good at it, by the way. Uh, but all of that churning inside, that's what it means. You can't eat, can't sleep. He says, Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I'm going to sit down and relax and have an orderly, nice meal, even though my enemy is pounding at the gate. Why? Because I'm sitting at the table with the shepherd. What worry do I have? Well, lots of you, you just don't know what's going to happen. That's exactly correct. But the shepherd does. If we could just trust him to learn to enjoy his bounty even in the midst of... You know, that's the devil's greatest tool, is it not? Intimidation. Fear of the unknown. I'm not afraid of the dark. I'm just afraid of what might be in it, right? That's how the devil works. He says, Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. 
I wonder how often we go hungry because we refuse to attach our desire to the shepherd and rather keep it attached to the things that are troubling us in this life. Thou anointest my head with oil. That was for the kings and that was for the priest. That was a sign of special exaltation, of position. The psalmist said, Thou hast lifted me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He has made us kings and priests unto our God. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Dealing with the issues of life. Maybe if David had had a copy of the 23rd Psalm and had read it, instead of sending someone out to inquire after Bathsheba, history could have been different. But we we need to keep these things in mind. And just one more, and I'll try to be very careful tonight. Psalm, Psalm 37. There's a lot that goes on in our world. Here's how to deal with other people. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. By the way, that includes Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Isn't it true? I mean, you make your money from casinos, that's that's an evildoer, is it not? And we won't even go into the list of Hillary's evil doings. I mean, good night. And But the Bible says, fret not thyself. I got a letter from the IRS. They said, you didn't file this quite the right way. But we're not going to exact any more penalties. Yes, that's the first nice letter I've ever gotten from them. And by the way, we fixed the problem so that they can't do that again to us. But the simple truth is, you can get all uptight, or you can just trust the Lord. He'll take care of fret not thy... And several times through this psalm, and, and, and if, I, if I get moving here, we won't get finished here. But verse 4, we need to touch on this. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee desires of thine heart. Hey, that's not... You show up at church Sunday and God's going to give you a new car. Uh-uh. That, that's not the deliverance people in the name it and claim it crowd. When you delight yourself in the Lord, you're satisfied with God. You don't need anything else. Amen? You don't want anything else. That's what that verse is talking about. And... We, we, uh, verse 25, I have been young and now old, and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, 
nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful. He lendeth and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Verse 37, Mark the perfect man, and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The end of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in Him. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Don't worry about trying to pay somebody back. You just keep your eyes on God and keep being obedient. And God will take care of you. These are just three of David's psalms. There's 150 psalms. David did not write all 150. He wrote many of them. But we can divide David's life into two problems. One... Uh, Two parts. One was the first part of his life where he had problems that were inflicted upon him from the wrong deeds of others. Then the second part of his life, he had problems that he inflicted on himself. I'll tell you what, if we have a choice... Let's stay in the first set of problems, not the second one. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night. We thank you for your grace and your love to us. Lord, we thank you for the psalms that you have given us at the hand of David and other men. That we can look to them, that we can read and be comforted. And Lord, we just ask that you would direct us in your ways. Before we finish that prayer, if you just need to slip out of your seat, the altar is open. We'll take just a few moments. Then we'll get into our prayer time tonight.